Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. I've been battling allergies for years now. Let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available release sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The vision definitely allows me to understand that there's no reason I should ever quit. Because once you have that clear vision, seeing yourself become whatever you're supposed to become, be who you're supposed to be, achieve whatever you're supposed to achieve, that means the deal is already done in the future. So there's actually no reason you should ever quit. So that's what allows me to just continue to go because I'm like, well, I mean, I already saw it. I mean, it's there. Why would I quit? Like, like, where else will you ever know that what the future holds? Like, you've already seen it. So that's what allows me not to quit. But um, what keeps on pushing me is, you know, there's people out there who are looking up to me, people who are relying on me to go accomplish this goal and dream. Like, I am their reason why they say yes to their goals and yes to their dreams because they're seeing me doing it. And they're like, if he's able to accomplish that, then I can accomplish what I'm doing here and and be this and be that, whether it's wanting to be a race car driver, wanting to start your own business, wanting to elevate yourself up the company that you're at, whatever it is, people can look at me and get inspired and continue to go after what they're going if they know I'm doing it too. What's up, gang? Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazde. I'm so pumped to have you here with me. Now, listen, The Greatness Machine, we're about two things. Number one, people who are living their passions. And number two, those who are creating greatness in the world and doing both of these things despite the odds against them. Each episode, we're going to feature interviews with game changers, business leaders, you know, telling us their origin stories, what made them tick, what got them to where they are now. Why? So it can help you step into your greatness within your life, your business, and your career. Occasionally, you might hear a few solo episodes from myself, moi, as I say, as I leverage my 20 years of entrepreneurship as a CEO and founder to help you grow and level up in your journey to scale your life and your business. So come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversation, and I'm stoked to have you here with me. What's up, everybody? Welcome to today's episode of The Greatness Machine. This is one of my favorite episodes. I interviewed Jesse Iwuji, who is a professional NASCAR driver. Uh, amazing story. This is a guy that literally side hustled his way into the world of NASCAR, taught himself in his living room on a simulator how to drive, and literally parlayed that into becoming a professional NASCAR driver. No joke. Such a cool story immigrant story, him and his family moving here from Nigeria when he was a kid, all the way to side hustling into the NASCAR, as I mentioned, but really cool story as well. He found his way into the U.S. Navy. Prior to that, through Naval Academy, played D1 football. Just such a cool story of a person with such perseverance and such vision. And he t- gives us some great, great insights into 
what we can do to level up our game through vision and through having faith and through working hard. And just such a cool story. Also, side note, only a 30-minute episode, so it's a quick episode. One of the reasons it's only 30 minutes is he has some major contracts with some huge media networks out there who want to tell a story. So he, he could only do a 30-minute episode. So it's a quick, quick bite to learn something about someone who's creating greatness despite the odds. Love this episode. Kick back, relax, <laughs> and enjoy the episode. Talk to you guys soon. Guys, welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazde. And boy, do we have a special guest today. My main man, Jesse Iwuji, is in the house. What's up, Jesse? Hey, how's it going? Thank you so much for having me on the show. Oh, man, I'm so excited for you to be here. So first of all, I just want to do a little bit of housekeeping. For those of you that are new to the show, The Greatness Machine, we're about two things. People who are living their passions and those who are creating greatness in the world. And Jesse is neither short of passion nor greatness. So we're going to be talking about all that in just a second. Jesse, man, um, I want to get started by just kind of giving some background on how you and I know one another. Are, are you cool with that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I have a client, former guest on the show, Eddie Perez, and he is actually the sponsor for Jesse Iwuji's, uh business and we'll be talking about his business which is a, a business a, a business is the wrong word i just put what you really <laughs> it, it, oh it's a business it is definitely a business that's for sure <laughs> I, I, I wish it was all fun and games but it is a business from start to finish <laughs> yeah exactly so eddie's so so first of all jesse is the first and only active u.s naval officer to compete in nascar so you are a nascar driver and owner of one of the NASCAR teams. He's co-owner of NASCAR team, Jesse Wooji Motor Motorsports. And he co-owns this actually with Hall of Famer, former NFL player, Emmett Smith. And he's also a keynote speaker, motivational speaker, and a NASCAR driver analyst for N NBC Sports. And he competes in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. So we're going to be talking about, man, like, first of all, that's a lot of stuff. And then secondly, it's like, how the hell do you even get into something like that, man? I would love to like take a step back, you know, because I think you have such an amazing origin story from a, what I've heard and B what I've read, but like, take us back to like, first of all, your, your family's an immigrant family. Is that correct? Yep. Yep. That's correct. So my, mine as well. And, and I think when you come from an immig immigrant family, it's like, you got that immigrant work ethic, you're coming to, the, to a new country. Like there's not a lot of optionality around like not making it like you, you got to get after it and make it happen. But I'd love to hear your, your family's origin story and, and what really has led you into this world of NASCAR. Yeah, it's definitely been a very interesting journey over the last few years and really over the last my whole life. <laughs> Both of my parents are originally from Nigeria. They both uh, immigrated from Nigeria to the U.S. back in the 80s. My dad, he came over here first uh, in the early 80s, around 1981 or so. When he was coming over, his dad told him, you know, son, when you go over to the U.S., there's absolutely no excuse for failure. There's way too much opportunity out there. You're, you're coming from Nigeria, you're going over there, the, everything that they have over there, the opportunities, the school, education, whatever it is, there is there are there's just so much more. So there is absolutely no reason you should fail. Do not embarrass the family. Carry the family name with 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 honor, uh, pride, and, and do the right things out there. Do not come back as a failure. Like straight up. That's what he told him. <laughs> it wasn't like son, you know, you're going away five, six, seven thousand how many ever thousand miles it is, you know, and, and you know, call us when you get there. You know, we love you. We're gonna miss you. It's like, do not fail. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, like low pressure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he was like, Roger that. So he 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 you know saved us some money, was able to make it over here. This is back when it was a little bit easier to, you know, emigrate around and got out here and decided to settle in Dallas, Texas. 
you know, he got his education, got his four-year degree, went back, married my mom in Nigeria, brought her back here to the U.S. And when they started here in Dallas, they really didn't have much. Uh, my parents didn't have much money, but they were grinders. They knew how to work really, really hard. My mom, she didn't have much coming from Nigeria. When she got over here, she was a hotel maid to start her life here. Uh, my dad was working different jobs. He was working security, this and that. You know, eventually found some better jobs working at different schools in their multimedia departments. He mainly did kind of like the audiovisual side of things uh, for a bunch of different schools, high schools, colleges, and so on. My mom knew that she didn't want to be a maid for life, and she decided to get her associate's degree, become a nurse, and then from there, just grinded and grinded and grinded. She used to work bare minimum 12 hours a day, seven days a week, every single day of the wow. year as a nurse while she had four kids, me, my two brothers and my, and my sister, my dad would work, you know, a ton of hours too. They were grinding. Fortunately, you know, in Nigeria, we have a very tight family. So my dad was able to bring my grandma over from Nigeria to the U S and have her take care of us while they were out grinding so they could provide and continue to build the life of the family. As we were going, I watched my parents grind and do this while my mom also was working that 12 hour, you know, minimum 12 hours a day, every single day. She actually started a business on the side, a party supply store. So she would go to her nurse job from 7 p.m. till 7 a.m. and then go work the store from about 9.30 a.m. till about 5 p.m. Every day, seven wow. days a week. And she just grinded and grinded and grinded and did that while my dad was working his jobs. He also had a banquet hall business that he was running. So he'd work his jobs during the day, go make sure the banquet hall was clean and ready to go for the weekends and, and certain nights throughout the week. He was just doing it. Both of them just grinders and <laughs> just working really hard. Did you, you learn can I ask you a question? Yeah. So, so my, 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 I mean, I come from a family of grinders too. My dad owned gas stations, right? And so did, was it like a family affair where like you and your brothers and sisters were like, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that's how it is. That's how it is. Every, and anyone who, who <laughs> any, 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 any foreigner who has parents, who has any kind of business, they all know that your your the child labor is involved. <laughs> child labor is free labor. Game. It's free labor. It's my, simple. My, when I was in, uh, in fifth grade, I had, to, I had to work for my dad for a summer. And, uh, I was going in sixth grade, and he's in, and I I I nailed him. Now this is like summer of like nineteen eighty nine or something like that. Yeah. And he he agreed to a quarter an hour, which which for the whole summer worked. I mean, dude, minimum wage back then was like three bucks an hour. Uh -huh. So he faced me a quarter an hour, and I'm literally like cleaning gas station bathrooms, and um. And and so the whole summer goes by, and he owes me like sixty bucks. <laughs> and this, is the, this is the funniest the punchline of the whole story. And then he reneged and said, "I'm not paying you." <laughs> oh, gosh, gosh. <laughs> He's like, "You're my kid. I put a roof over your head. That's, yeah. I'm not paying you sixty bucks." He he was offended by the ask. Yeah, no, we my parents they never they never offered money to us. They were like, "You just got to come and do this." You know, yeah. they told us like, "Hey, we're working hard for you. We're grinding. Look at all these hours. You need to come now." And, and we did it. We found ways to make it fun. Like my mom's party supply store, you know, she was in a, a pretty decent shopping center. So um, me and my brothers and sisters, we were, uh, we were skaters uh, at that time. So we'd bring our skates. So like anytime we have free time when the store wasn't as busy, we go skate around the shopping center and, you know, do fun kid stuff like that. My dad with his banquet hall, there was nothing ever fun with that. Cause every time we went, we had to go clean up everybody's mess and that was just yeah. not fun. So, <laughs> but we did that, but, um, yeah, um, we kept grinding, grinding, grinding. Um, me and my, and my siblings, we obviously fell in love with sports being in Texas. Obviously football is the biggest sport there, ball track, basketball, everything athlete. 
as we played football, uh, I had this goal in mind. You know, that's when I started. That's the first time I, re- I started really setting goals for myself. And I had this goal to be on the A team and then eventually get recruited and go play college football. Like that was my big goal and dream. So in ninth grade, I set these goals and I grinded every single day. I started doing extra stuff because I started realizing that, hey, I didn't have as much talent as everyone else because I didn't get to play Pee Wee football and Pop Warner. Parents didn't have time or money for all that stuff. So I was behind the curve. But I knew that if I just put in extra effort, um, more effort than other people are putting in at that time, eventually I can surpass them, even though I, I lacked the talent and skills, I can surpass them and, and grow my talent and skills and my strength and ability. And that's what I did. So in ninth grade, while everyone else was better than me, I started grinding more and more. Each day, I would have a football and lay in my bed each night, every single night, throw it up, catch it 50 times with this hand, 50 times with this hand, just to work on getting my hands better. I would do 100 push-ups every night. I'd do 100 calf raisers every night. I'd do 100 sit-ups every single night. I would study film. I would just do everything I could extra that everyone else wasn't doing. And then by my senior year, all of a sudden, I was bigger faster, stronger, and a better player than a lot of these people who slack because they're just relying on their talent alone. Eventually, I was the one who got recruited to go play college football at the highest level of college football, Division 1A. And that school that recruited me was the United States Naval Academy. So I just looked at it as a really good opportunity to go to a great school, get a great education, be able to play football for a great team. And then when I graduate, have a career started for me as an officer in the U.S. Navy. So I took that opportunity, went to the Naval Academy, played there four years, got to play against some some amazing teams. Uh, We went to four different bowl games, had winning seasons all four years, beat Missouri in our final bowl game my senior year. We beat Notre Dame twice, almost beat Ohio State. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. In the world of successful partnerships, names like Procter & Gamble, Ben & Jerry, and supply and demand echo through business history. But when it comes to growing your business, who are the perfect partners? That's you and Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. We're talking from launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we hit a million dollar order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or promoting productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Picture this, a time when my business was facing a tough hurdle and I wasn't sure how to break through, but then came the breakthrough moment, a game changer that took my business to the next level. You know, what I absolutely adore about Shopify is its unparalleled ability to adapt and grow with your ambitions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 75 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Darius, all lowercase. That's D-A-R-I-U-S. Go to shopify.com slash Darius now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Darius. Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. Hey there, friends. It's Darius Mishazda here, and I have a little confession to make. You see, I've been battling allergies for years now, and let me tell you, They've been a real ordeal in my life. Allergies have been my constant companion. 
It stopped me from fully enjoying the little things in life. Canceling plans with friends because of sudden allergy attack to missing out on an outdoor activity because of the sneezing fits. Allergies have been a real nuisance. Luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing and a runny nose, itchy, watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I've been a Claritin D user for many, many years now, and let me tell you, it's made a world of difference. Since I started using Claritin D, my symptoms have improved dramatically. Now I can breathe easier, enjoy outdoor activities without worrying about sneezing fits, and truly live my life without being held back by allergies. Ready to live as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter now. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear uses directed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Played in a lot of just amazing games. I had an amazing experience. And then when I graduated in 2010, I became a surface warfare officer. So as a SWO, I was on the ships. Uh, I went on two different deployments with the first two ships that I was on. And then in between those deployments, when I was back home in San Diego, I was starting to develop this passion for cars and racing. And I would take my personal cars to local tracks. I would go to drag strips. I would go to road course tracks. I would do all these open track days. And after a few years of that, one night I was just sitting in my room and I was like, you know what? I really like this driving thing. I really like going fast on tracks. I've never been the type of person to ever be a spectator or just sit on the side or do anything at just a low amateur level. I wanted to take it to the highest level possible. And I figured, you know what? Why not try to become a professional race car driver? And from that moment, while I was sitting in my room and I made that decision, I knew that my life was about to change once I made that decision. I actually pulled my whiteboard off my wall, erased whatever was on it, and wrote one big goal to become a pro driver. And from there, had to grind and figure out, okay, how do I even become one? Like I looked on Google, how to become a pro driver. I was met with a lot of negativity on there because people said it wasn't possible for all sorts of reasons. Um, And then I was like, you know what? Screw that. I had a vision. I saw myself becoming a driver. I'm going to go do this. So I started just using deductive reasoning, started re- reverse engineering stuff. I figured, okay, race car driver, what gets them in? What keeps them in? What gets people out? Like, how does that work? Started learning it from the outside because I didn't grow up in it. So I didn't have this, like, you know, this this tunnel vision where I only knew one way. I got to see everything. I started seeing what works and what doesn't. And I, it allowed me to be more open-minded. And I was happy that I was as open-minded as I could be instead of just going the normal route that everyone goes. So I figured, you know what? I can take the entrepreneur route into this. Let me start my own business on the side because I was still active duty in the Navy. Let me start my own business on the side to make some extra money so I can fund this journey because racing isn't cheap. Uh, Let me get a racing simulator and put in my house so I can train on a racing simulator because renting out tracks and finding race cars and testing isn't cheap. 
Let me uh, learn marketing. Let me watch these different videos, learn from other people doing it well. Let me aggregate all this information and data so I can learn how to market myself because marketing is very important in the racing world. That's how you attract sponsors and businesses who want to be part of the journey. All these different things I was just trying to learn and teach myself basically the entire way and basically kind of took this entrepreneurship type route towards racing. And that's what allowed me to get in in 2015 to start racing at the lowest level of NASCAR, which is uh, like the NASCAR like late models. And those race at short tracks all around America every single week. And then from there, I started working my way up from that lower local series to the regional series and then eventually the national series. You know, now I'm racing at the second highest level of NASCAR, the NASCAR Xfinity Series. But it's been wow. a crazy journey, crazy grind, ups, downs, goods, bads. Um, many times where I thought like, oh, my gosh, this is it. This is over. Like nothing else is going to happen. But when you initially have that vision in your head and you see the end, it's not ever over. The only time it's over is when you quit. There's always a way as long as you stay strong enough, long enough. So so I want to I'm going to rewind I have two questions for you. First of all, going back into that moment when you started for fun driving your personal cars on tracks. Well, first of all, what kind of car did you have? That you were yeah. Racing <laughs> yeah, no, I had a, I had a Corvette Z06 and, um, you know, I would take it on track days and this is, you know, there's a lot of people out there who go street racing and doing all that craziness. Um, I didn't want to do that. You know, that one, it's not safe Two, you put a lot of people's lives at risk. And it's just a lot of, if something bad happens, you could get people killed that don't deserve to be killed hey gang darius mishaza here i hope you're enjoying the show so far so listen i know we have a lot of ceos entrepreneurs and business owners out there that listen to the show and right now if you're one of those folks and you're doing let's call it a bare minimum of seven figures and above in your business then what i'd like to do is give you an offer right now how would you like to get your hands on the frameworks that i actually used to scale my last company which started off as a small little seven figure company to over $100 million in annual revenue. And I did it in less than two years and I did it without costly growing pains, without the headaches that that you usually experience when you are scaling your businesses. So if you're one of those folks and you're trying to grow your company, but you're you're finding yourself stuck in that day-to-day, if you're one of the listeners and you're getting grinded, this is your respite from getting grinded on your business, you're listening to our show and you're dealing with the breakdowns, you're dealing with inefficiencies and you've got that firefighter suit on and all the problems lining on your desk and you're, you're not doing the work you're supposed to be doing, which is working on the business instead of in it, then what I'm about to talk to you about for the next call 60 seconds, this is precisely for you. Real quickly, though, if you don't already know this about me, prior to starting The Greatness Machine, I spent 20 years of my life as a founder and CEO of real-world companies. And during that time, I actually grew my companies to over $1.2 billion with a B in bootstrap revenue. In fact, uh, we scaled out my last company from 30 to 1,000 employees, and we did it in just 36 months, and we did it all by using a three-step framework that I call my scale map method. So that, of course, brings us to the purpose of this here mid-roll ad. Yes, this is what the podcast producers call these things. Recently, I created a 30-minute training, and what it does is it walks you step-by-step through all of my scale map method frameworks. And you can watch it right now for free when you go to DariusScale.com. That's my first name, Darius, scale, S-C-A-L-E.com. And what these frameworks do is they fix 
They simplify and they streamline every single aspect of your business. And they do it without the need for complicated scaling systems that are typically way too difficult and way too time consuming for a busy CEO like you and for my, like myself was to implement. So if you want a simple and you want a proven path to remove yourself from the day-to-day operations, just like I did, so that you can do what you're supposed to be doing, which is leading your company to record growth without the headaches and without the growing pains, go to DariusScale.com. That's www.DariusScale.com. Watch the short video and I'll see you guys on the inside. Now, back to the show. So going to a track is a safer place. There's these events where they put on safe, you know, high performance driving events where you can go to a track where it's sanctioned. You have, you know, medical and fire and all those people there. Um, you're just in a safer environment. And they also teach you how to do it so that you know what you're, you're not throwing yourself into a corner and not knowing what you're doing. So I went to these events and learned how to drive better and drive my car better at these events, at these tracks. And then from there, it actually made me a better driver on the street. I was a lot more alert and just way quicker reflexes that's why i don't i yeah i haven't been in any accidents <laughs> on the on the street you know I, the yeah across the figure, I don't. <laughs> no, no, i'm gonna knock on some yeah. wood <laughs> yeah so so, uh, so let, me, let me let me ask a question about this because like and i'm gonna make the analogy because i i, I was an athlete in college and, and in high school and and i remember the first time i played varsity football how fast everything was moving, right? It was like so fast. I couldn't even like, and I, and I played line. So you're kind of in it, but do you remember the first time you played varsity football as like a kid, how fast everything moved? Yeah. Um, so yes, that was always, that was always like my, the thing that made me the most nervous each level of football and moved up. So going even from eighth grade to ninth grade, I remember watching the ninth graders and thinking, Oh my God, they're so fast. They're so big. How am I going to keep up with everybody? And then you get there and you just do it. Then going from ninth grade football, freshman football to JV, I was like, Oh my God, I watched these guys. They're big. They're strong. They run over each other. Like, how am I going to do this? You get there and then you're just, you're doing it. Then That's going from JV to varsity. I felt like it was like the biggest jump ever. I mean, watching these guys, these are people, some, a lot of them about to go off to college and play college football. I'm like, how am I going to compete with these guys and keep up, you know? And then you get there and then you do it. Then high school to college, I was probably the most nervous. I was like, okay, high school is one thing, but all these guys, I mean, some of them are a year older than me. Some of them are about four or five years older than me. And they they've gotten like the training you, in high school, you're, you'll get bigger as, you know, from ninth grade to 10th grade, you'll get obviously get a little bit bigger, you'll get stronger, you get faster. But in college, you get a lot bigger. I mean, you'll yeah. put on 20, 30 pounds and be faster than where you were when you were lighter. Like all it's just, um, I was super nervous going into my first, like my first game I actually traveled was uh, my freshman year in college. I might have played some special teams a little bit in freshman year, but I traveled to all the games for sure, which was awesome just to be a freshman and actually on varsity uh, in college. Um, but then sophomore year is actually when I started my first game and I was the most nervous ever because I was like, how am I going to compete with these guys? I don't know if I can do it. And then I was able to do it. I, I ran with everybody. Nobody, nobody was like faster than me. No one burnt me. I was good. <laughs> so, so when, so, uh, so in moving that over to the track, when you first got in the car and you start racing, I mean, again, you've worked your way from amateur race night at the track to essentially one step below the big show of NASCAR, you know, like you're, you're there, man. Yeah. Like, like when you start thinking what, like, was it the same thing where it was moving really fast and then, but you, and then you got comfortable with it and then you acclimated to it. Walk us through that a little bit. Yeah, um, you know, going from just track days to even getting on track, even my first time getting into a wheel to wheel race, 
you know, in the late models, which was, you know, the weekly series, I was super nervous because, I, you know, once again, I wasn't sure, am I going to be able to keep up with these guys? Can I race with them? And in my first late model race, you know, it went pretty well. I was passing some people, running with some people, you know, doing fine. Someone spun me out at some point, but uh, it was fun. I had a good time and learned a lot. And then um, as I worked my way up from late models to the uh, the regional series, the NASCAR K&N series, at that point, once again, I was nervous again. I was like, oh, my gosh, these guys are a lot better. They're quicker. You know, it's just all this was going through my mind. But eventually, you know, I, I, each series I've been in, I've always kind of started off slow and then gotten better and better as I went. Because I, I always take the approach of, you know, you can't just go in and just go, you know, crazy, just off to the wall, whatever. Um, and you know, it, it can end up bad. <laughs> right. so I always take a slower approach where I just, let me come in, let me learn, let me slowly get better and better and better and not come in and just make a mess of myself. Because some people do that. They come in and they try to light the world on fire and and it could quickly slow slow down your progress a lot. It's, and so in, in these cars, like how fast do you get these cars up to? Is 200 miles an hour? Is that pretty normal? In the NASCAR Xfinity series, uh, depending on the tracks we're at, yeah, we're, you know, a lot of the tracks were anywhere 180 to 190 mile per hour or so. And, and are you sustaining that speed for like a majority of the race? Like if you were to say like, what's the average speed that you're going outside of pit stops and stuff like yeah. that? So it depends on the size of the track because there's all different kinds of sizes. You have tracks as small as a half mile tracks all the way to as big as 2.66 miles, um, a, a 2.5 and 2.6 mile uh, track like Talladega and Daytona, those tracks you're, yeah, you're sustained. You know, basically about in the draft, at least about 190 something miles per hour sustained pretty much majority of the time. It slows down a little bit in the corner, but not that much. Um, now, when you go to a one and a half mile track where you're not all just in a draft together and you're kind of spread out a little bit more, you might enter the corner at high 180s or so, maybe 190. And then throughout the corner, you'll probably you know be slowed down to 160 something miles per hour. And then you'll pick it back up and you, you start moving again. So it just depends. Ha- uh, half mile tracks, obviously, you're not going anywhere near that fast. You might be entering a corner at 130, 40, 50 miles per hour. I don't know, you know going into a corner and then slow down a lot more and then, you know, pick it up from there. So every track's a little bit different on how the speeds work, but I mean, you're still cooking it into a corner that has a wall right there. Yeah, that's man. That's insanity. So, so let me ask you a question. So now you're, you know, you're, you're, you've gotten to this point where you, you know, you're a player in the sport, you've done it in the most entrepreneurial way possible. And and I, I know we're, we're, this is, we're, we're running short because you, you have some, some contracts that only allow you to do short, short podcasts. So I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to miss anything here, but you know, what is it when you start to think of like how you've gotten to this, you obviously have treated this like an entrepreneur, which is, which is amazing to me. When you start to think of what has kept you going, Number one, what's kept you going? And then I want to talk about your partnership with Emmett and this new thing. So what has kept you going despite the trials and tribulations to keep you motivated? Was it just that vision in 2010 of I'm going to become a professional NASCAR driver? I mean, is that your vision or is it I want to be the best in the world at it? Like, Give us the vision, what's kept you going, and then we'll talk about the partnership. Yeah, the um, the vision definitely allows me to understand that there's no reason I should ever quit because once you have that clear vision, seeing yourself become whatever you're supposed to become, be who you're supposed to be, achieve what you're supposed to achieve, that means the deal's already done in the future. So there's actually no reason you should ever quit. So that's what allows me to just continue to go because I'm like, well, I mean, I already saw it. I mean, it's there. Why would I quit? Like, like where else will you ever know that what the future holds? Like you've already seen it. So that's what allows me not to quit. But 
um, what keeps on pushing me is, you know, there's people out there who are looking up to me, people who are relying on me to go accomplish this goal and dream. Like I am their reason why they say yes to their goals and yes to their dreams because they're seeing me doing it. And they're like, if he's able to accomplish that, then I can accomplish what I'm doing here and, and be this and be that, whether it's wanting to be a race car driver, wanting to start your own business, wanting to elevate yourself up the company that you're at, whatever it is, people can look at me and get inspired and continue to go after what they're going if they know I'm doing it too. You know, there's strength in numbers. When you see other people doing it and they're grinding and they're making things happen, it just lets you know that, you know what, it's okay. Whatever you're going through, it's okay. I'm going to keep pushing forward. So those two things right there, I think, are some of the biggest things that that continue to push me forward. And, um, you know, being able to partner with Emmett uh, for this race team that we started uh, in 2022, this year, we debuted our Jesse Wuji Motorsports team, co-owned by Emmett Smith. And we have a couple other partners and me. We all own this team. And for us to really get this whole thing going in the very, very short time period we had to get it going, uh, it's been an absolute blessing. But we started this team because we wanted to create an opportunity-generating system, a system that creates opportunities for people who would have never thought they'd have a chance to be in motorsports. Uh, we're going to utilize our platform that we have to create opportunities with STEM education, create um, opportunities with uh, military service members who are transitioning out of the military looking for a new career and things to do. We're going to use this platform to affect posit uh, you know, positivity and kids who, who might be stuck in hospitals having conditions who can't go live a normal kid life. And we want to use this platform to help them become a kid again. There's all these different things we want to do. Even the diversity side of things, obviously, um, you know, African-American. There's not a lot of African-Americans in NASCAR racing. There's only right. a few. So uh, I will, we want to use this opportunity to continue to diversify motorsports in general. And when we say diversify, it's not just only bring, bringing Black people in. It's bringing Black, uh, Hispanic, uh, Asian, uh, females, whatever it is, people who just normally aren't represented in the sport. That's what diversity is. It's diversifying everywhere. Backgrounds, your your religions, races, genders, whatever it is, just bringing all different kinds of people because when they come from all these different viewpoints, they can help the sport become better because they have different points of view that might have not been seen by other people, just made mainly because of their background and experience. Yeah, so 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 I, I love that man. And going back to the Emmett thing, like how the heck did you meet Emmett? I mean, like you're you're a kid from Dallas, played football in Dallas. I got to assume you're an Emmett Smith fan if you grew up playing football in Dallas. Is that is that a are you are you young are you young enough for that wasn't a thing? <laughs> I, yeah, I, um, uh, when I was in seventh grade, the first year I played football, uh, that was 1999 and he was still playing for the Cowboys and I was number 22 because I played running back that year and I was 22 because he was 22. Yeah. Uh, so I watched him win a, a three Super Bowls, you know, in the nineties and, um, you know, growing up, you know, looked up to him and you know, great player, all time great at the running back position, Hall of Famer and got connected to him in 20, in the 2020. Uh, through my agent, Matt Casto, he had had a relationship with him, you know, well for the last 20 years or so. Matt, Matt used to, uh, um, uh, work with Emmett back in the early 2000s, late 90s and stuff. Um, has known him for a while. Um, and, and when we decided, and when me and Matt started talking about building a race team, we actually started talking about that probably in 2019. And then in 2020, we started getting a little bit more serious about those talks, but we didn't want to do it all alone. We figured if we can bring in someone who has great wisdom, knowledge, um, is a great business person, someone who's had success in the sports world, let's bring someone like that on board who can help elevate this team. And we figured, you know what? Emmett is the right person. 
Matt already had ties to him and he, he felt that Emmett was going to be on board with our mission, which Emmett was, it didn't take much convincing. And now we're here with our new race team and, you know, Emmett Smith is one of our co-owners and it's been, it's been incredible having him. Yeah, that's huge, man. Um, last question. And I know you got to run. So your grandfather told your dad, and you better go to the U.S. and make it happen. And then here he is now. Your parents have come to this country, become successful. They have four kids. Are you, Where are you in order? Are you the oldest, middle, youngest? Where are you at? Yeah, I'm the oldest. Um, I have a brother that's a year younger than me. And then another brother who is four years younger than me. And my sister is six years younger than me. So their oldest son, you know, does the family proud, gets into Texas football, goes to Naval Academy, plays D1 football. And now he's in NASCAR. What are your parents thinking about the fact? And what is your family? Who's uh, obviously, uh, I'm assuming you got a bunch of family in Africa still. Yeah, a lot, like, <laughs> a lot more than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> you're for, you know, your first generation, and you're like, what, what's Jesse doing? Is he a doctor alert? No, yeah. he's a NASCAR guy. What does the family think about this man? That's so funny. Yeah, I, I, that is the Nigerian joke that. Uh, I'll, 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 every kid has to become a doctor, lawyer, engineer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but, um, now they, uh, yeah, initially I thought it was a little crazy when I started going down this journey. Um, but they've been on board since they, they, they started saying, you know what, this is going to go do what he does and no one's going to stop him. So get out of his way and just let him do it. <laughs> Cause if you get in this way, you're going to get ran over. So, um, yeah, no, they, uh, they're super supportive. They, they love that I'm doing it. They just want me to stay safe. That's all. I love, I love it, man. Um, last question since we're going to end the show right now, but like, what advice would you give to people that are trying to do the unstoppable? I mean, the greatness machines about people that are living their passions, despite the odds, like what piece of advice would you get people listening to this that, that maybe have some wild haired idea, but they, but they, they're like, I don't know where to start. And and I don't think I can do it. And it's just a dream. Um, if you don't know where to start, you just have to start, just start going. The easiest thing we all know what to do is research. If you're hungry, right? If you're hungry, you want food. Do you ever just sit there and just be like, ah, I don't know what to do to get food. I'm not going to, I just, I'm, I'm just going to stay hungry. No, you pick up your phone and you start doing research. What's the nearest restaurants, fast food, Asian food, Mexican food, whatever it is, you start researching, right? You have a goal, you have a dream. You can, the first thing you can start doing is researching. So start researching, start putting your mind towards, have a vision, see yourself accomplishing whatever you're supposed to accomplish. And you start researching and going towards it, start putting action towards it every single day, not just, you know, here and there, but on a daily basis. As you're putting action towards it, understand it's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. You'll hit a lot of roadblocks, but it's okay. Just because you hit a roadblock, everyone wants to think that you hit roadblocks. All of a sudden, that's your sign that you shouldn't be doing it. That is false. If you already clearly saw a vision in your head of you accomplishing something, that means the deal is already done in the future. So there is nothing that is a sign saying you shouldn't do it anymore. You already saw it. Your sign was your sign that you got in your head is the one that says that you were supposed to do it. So push through those difficulties, understand that even in the darkest point of the night, the sun will still rise. So you got to continue to push forward. And as you're going through and things are trying to trip you up and, and put and push you over and take things from you and stop you, all that stuff, understand that that's just part of it. Like it's okay. Other people won't believe in your journey. The reason why is because they weren't given that same vision. So even if your parents, your 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 loved ones, your brother, your sister, your friends, whatever, if they say that you can't do something for whatever reason, doesn't mean that it's true. They were not given that vision. So if they can't see it for you, you have to see it for yourself. So if you just take all that in and you just continue to grind for it every day, you can accomplish anything you want in life because it all starts with mindset. Don't like 
focus on all those like five step, 10 step processes, whatever it is. Or, you know, there's a lot of gurus out there who say, yeah, do these things. You'll become a millionaire. Like at the end of the day, you can't do anything in life unless this is right. The mindset has to be right. You got to have the vision, be ready to put the relentless action in, be uh, strong enough to uh, take the beating that you're going to take the whole way. And then while you're taking the beating, you have the faith the entire time that the initial vision you had is still correct. You do all that, then you're going to be unstoppable. You can actually go accomplish whatever you want in life. Man, I can't wait to watch you continue to set the world on fire. And I can't wait to, to see you standing on top of the podium, Jesse. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. You know, I'm learning and grinding and, and trying to become better and better each day, but we will do it. Well, so um, where can people hook up with you if they want to learn more about Jesse Wuji and uh, Jesse Wuji Motorsports? Yeah. Uh, they can look us up on social media. We're on all the social media platforms from LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, all that stuff. So just look up my name, uh, Jesse Wuji. That's uh, J-E-S-S-E. Last name is I-W-U-J-I. If you can't remember how to spell it, the easiest thing you can do is uh, go on Google, type in Navy NASCAR driver. I should be like the only one that pops up for like a few pages and you'll see my name plenty of times there. Look us up on all the social media platforms. We're on there from the team to mine, all that stuff. Um, we're there. So follow us, post basically every day. We put out good information. We put out positive stuff, no drama. Just It's either going to be positive, uplifting, or funny. Um, so it's just always a good place to be. I love it, man. We'll put that, and we'll put that in the show notes too. So guys, we'll put that in the show notes if you're listening to this. Man, Jesse, so much appreciation, so much gratitude to have you here, my brother. I'm so excited for everything you're doing and uh, continue to change the world, my friend. Thank you so much for having me on the show. All right, brother. Peace out, everybody. We'll talk to you guys soon. Love you. We out. You are listening to The Greatness Machine, and that's a wrap for today. Listen, if you love what you heard, subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform that you're tuning in on so that you don't miss any of our future episodes. We have tons of great people coming on, and we're, we're stoked to have you here to enjoy it with us. Leave us a review. Tell us what you love most about this particular episode. We love getting the reviews. We love to see what you guys love most. And if this particular episode you know, made you think of someone who's leveling up in their business and in their life, print screen and share it with them. Leaders are the best givers, and after all, we're all here to support and grow with each other. And in case you want to see some of the fun behind the scenes shots or some of the things that we're doing, I'm actually writing about this in my weekly newsletter. Go to www.therealdarius.com and subscribe to my newsletter. We're talking about fun things like business and life and mindfulness and cryptocurrencies and gosh, I don't even know everything and anything, but it's tons of fun stuff I write about. I try to get it out on a weekly basis. You can subscribe at www.therealdarius.com. And with that said, look, thank you guys so much. Appreciate you. I love you. Peace. We're out of here. See you guys on the next one. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. 
There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you wanna learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.